Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, listing our personal favorite beef dinners, and continuing our talks about racial healing. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. Joining me tonight in first chair, because Pastor Ben is out, we have Uncle Gavin Hooks, or Dr. Gavin Hooks, and the question tonight is, what are those things you are too old to do but still enjoy? So, so I'm getting close to not, not being interested in the Boundary Waters. I'm getting close. Okay, yes. So that, that's a very physical trip. Yes. So I'm having a lot of second thoughts about planning one. But I was say, which is sad because I was really waiting. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll go this spring, but we'll see. Okay, okay, good answer. Uh, next up is Mr. Ryan Mayberry. So what do you say? What are those things? Of course, this might be hard He's since you are still young. so young. young. But what are, <laughs> what are the things start. that you're too old to do but still enjoy? First thing that comes to mind is video games because that's my only hobby, basically. Yeah. But uh, so nowadays it's socially acceptable. But if you would ask that question 20 years ago, then everyone would, would say, of course, you're too old. Right. It's considered child child's play. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good answers. Uh, as I said, Pastor Ben, my dad is out because mom is having an emergency procedure at the hospital, so please keep her in your prayers. Um, and hold on, i got to find out where my notes, since he's gone, he's messed me all up. Uh-oh. Oh, I would love to hear some of the answers from our audience on this question as well. So again, the question is, what are those things you're too old to do but still enjoy? You can text the number on the screen. Um, please text the number on the screen because I don't have... Dad's phone, which is what you guys are used to texting. So text that one. Um, and if you are listening later online, please comment your answer and then share and like so that others can join in on the fun. Uh, personally, what I miss doing is kind of along the same lines, Ryan, um, but is the jumpstart games for grades kindergarten through fifth. So obviously I am, a lot as a kid. I am past that. But yeah, they were just extremely fun and engaging. And there was another one, it was like treasure in the bottom of the sea. I don't know. There's one about treasure. I like that there one, too. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea, isn't there? There's a hole. I think there's a log and a frog and some down there as well. Um, but yeah, so the, that's my answer is the video games jumpstart. Um, so moving on. Oh, wait, we have one. Jamie Frosser texted in, she misses sleeping in till whenever I wake up, but would probably still be seven. So she misses sleeping in, which I agree. In college, I definitely would stay up until two and then sleep until noon. Ditto that. I can't do that anymore. Even with, even though I don't have kids, I still can't do that. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and just move on to our first segment. So like I said, we're covering Ephesians chapter one, verses five through 10. I'm gonna go ahead and um, revisit those verses and read them aloud, and then we can talk and point out the things we wanted to point out about those. So verse five is he, meaning Jesus, predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the grace of his glorious, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set, set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
So Uncle Gavin, I'll go ahead and hand it over to you. What are the things that really um, stuck out to you about these verses? So this whole passage, or, or I, I shared uh, two weeks ago that it feels like this is one of the welcome wagons, baskets that's brought to you and you kind of do an unboxing of the, of the gifts. Mm. And this is kind of an unboxing, in my mind, of Christianity. So somebody who's new, and I'm, I'm sure there were new um, converts in, in uh, Ephesus, and Paul's delivering this letter to them and to ultimately to be read to other churches also. It, it really seems like an unboxing of the Christian gifts and the benefits that come with Christianity. These aren't the things that you go to someone and, and say, do you want uh, for the forgiveness of sins from according to God's riches? Do you, you, this isn't how you present the gospel. This right. is what you. This is how you understand what you have received after you've received the gospel and made a commitment. Right, it's to like Christ. the manual you get afterwards. It really is. It really is. Um, there's several phrases in here, and, and you guys, if you got a phrase that really sticks out to you, jump in. Um, so we started in verse five, having predestined us. We talked about the predestination the last couple of weeks. And it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So the King James reads it, reads a little bit different. What version were you reading? ESV. The ESV. So can you imagine what that phrase meant to somebody who was an orphan? Mm. So he, you've been made accepted in the beloved. So, so you now belong somewhere. You have a family that you belong to. I mean, I, that gift alone is precious unwrapping of a gift and maybe one you didn't expect. Right. I think even for non-orphans, a place to belong is something that we all strive and fight for. Um, even even if, you know, you could look at someone who's had everything, I think there's still a, a place in our hearts where we don't feel like we belong, whether it's low self-esteem or lies that the devil, our flesh, or the world has told us. I think we all struggle with belonging. And so this this showing us that now that we have been saved, we do belong, and we belong in the beloved. How many times have you, and you may not even think about it consciously, what do I have to do to be accepted here when you, mm -hmm. could, when you arrive at a new, new place? And finding out that you've already been made accepted. You don't, there's nothing you have to do. There's no accomplishment you have to do to be popular. You right. know, you're, you're accepted automatically. Just as you are. And uh, in today's day and time, with the epidemic of loneliness, mm. I, I, this really is a is a wonderful gift to unwrap. It's yeah. a cure. Yeah, yeah, and I think too, along with loneliness, there's a lack of meaning in this kind of the whole. I had a lot of trouble when we were breaking it down sentence by sentence, but when we we're looking at the whole idea, it really goes against the whole, you know, Calvinism, in my opinion, because. You just see the word predestined, and if you just go with that sentence, sure, I could see how you could come to that conclusion. But if you read the whole five verses, it's, you know, praising God for his boundless glory, you know, just endless praise for his grace and accepting us and adopting us. And uh, I take predestined to mean more that we have a purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that path that we're traveling in life, the destination is to have a relationship with God. So he knowing that we were going to fall, set up a destination to where we could be back with him in the end. And he knew the, who those people would be because mm -hmm. he's, he's uh, all-knowing. Yeah. Right. Like, and like it, it is his will, like it says in verse 5, you know, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Well, that's his will is for us to be with him, and it's good and pleasing in his sight, that, and he wants us to be with him. So he set up this path, like in verse Six, it's praising God for the grace by which he made us accepted into the beloved. 
Right. So he set up a path of redemption mm -hmm. for us because he wants us to be with him. Yeah. And according to his good, his, it's pleasurable to him. That, that really is, according makes it sweet. To his will, right. And so like verse 7 through 10 kind of lays out why we're praising him. Like it's saying, you know, praise his glorious grace. And what I kind of pulled out is the in love he chose us. Through his blood, he redeems us, and with lavish grace, he forgives us, and in Christ, he unites us. And so I felt like that just kind of broke down one through ten. Amen. In the uh, verse seven, before we even started this study for the, for the radio program, the, the idea has been going through my head, and please tell me I'm not the only one that struggles with forgiving themselves. Oh, no, so definitely I, I, not. I, I'm really good at beating myself up for months and years mm -hmm. uh, and get reminded of something stupid that I did even when I was young. I get embarrassed all over again. I, get, I, I just kick myself again, all over again. And it, verses like this, I, I begin to wonder if it's not a sin to not forgive yourself also. Mm. So if, if the, we can be forgiven by the riches of his grace, which are... There's nothing, there's no riches that he doesn't possess. Um, there's no end to the wealth or the resources that he has. And, and according to that is how he forgives us. So I, I, think, I think I might be on the verge of sinning if I'm not for, forgiving myself. The other thing that I, the other way that I thought about this is if I'm beating myself up, it's almost, I almost, as if I heard Christ say, was my suffering for your sin not enough? You right. have to suffer also for your sin? Right. That's not the way to grace. Right. I think grace is such an easily misunderstood gift because I, because I think forgiving ourselves is so hard. And, like, we don't understand grace. We might be able to understand grace when we give it to others a little bit. But I it agree, almost makes like, us feel good right, that we yeah. forgive somebody. Right. But then like when we look at ourselves and we are the only ones who truly know how horrible and wretched we are. And so when we see that and we're like, even even compliments from other people, they might kind of make you happy for a little bit, but then you're like, Yeah, but they don't know this and they don't know that and they, they don't understand where I struggle and I things like that. I live with my sorry self. Right, exactly. Every day. And 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 how can how can I even that, that question of how can I as a Christian do these things? How is it that I'm a Christian and I'm saved and yet I still struggle with these things, even though I know everything, you know, like being raised mm -hmm. in church and having all of the spiritual lessons that I've had, I still struggle with all of the things that I know I shouldn't. And it's like, I've that, then, then what is going, you know, what is going yeah. on here? Yeah. And I think that lavish grace is mm -hmm. a really good term because it gives that, that adverb gives it, a, it boosts the word grace. Uh, it's like a bubble bath of forgiveness. Yes. <laughs> Just s slip in and, and relax and, and praise God for it uh, because by his riches, he's, he's forgiven us. And I, I really, I feel like all the things that are in, I'm in error when I won't forgive myself and just keep dwelling on a, on a mistake. Uh, I, I don't appreciate God's power to undo the damage that I've done. Mm. Uh, or to mitigate the damage that I've done. And, of course, if I've damaged somebody else or hurt somebody else, I need to make restitution or uh, get forgiveness from that person. But the things that I've done, not necessarily to other people, but that are just stupid and dumb, 
God has the power to undo it. And, yes. and to think that I can do something that God can't do is a bit prideful. Yeah. So if I feel like that, oh, God can't forgive me for this, I'm saying I've done something that God can't undo, something that's more powerful than God. Right. That's, it's, it's a sick mindset. And you, um, when you break it down like that, you're like, oh, no, that doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any but sense. But you're not thinking logically, typically, you when you're in guilt. that mindset. Yeah. That reminds me, I heard someone, you know, we've all heard people say, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I heard an argument against that uh, saying, basically the guy was saying that when you say that, you imply that you are bound to live in sin, which we are, but it puts you into the mindset like that of not having grace. Would you agree, can't, disagree? can't help to who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that what your dad say? God loves you too much to leave you like <laughs> to leave you like you are, yeah. right? So, you know, it goes to the whole pos- positive mindset. And this weekend, um, we had a lot of great speakers in Branson at the Women of Joy, and the theme was actually extravagant grace. And so that was it was you know amazing to hear all the speakers. Um, but one of them, the last one, I can't remember her name, and I feel bad about that. But she wrote the book More Power to You, and. Um, you know, sometimes I scoff at self-help books because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not how that works. I can't really help myself out of this or whatever. Amen. I have, you know, and, and there's definitely truth in that. But I have definitely also seen the evidence and the power of a positive mindset. And that's what she really was talking about and how she had allowed, again, the world, the devil, her flesh and her circumstances to turn her and you know her mindset to negative and so she was in a deep depression and so it was speaking the truth that we see here that God has blessed us with extravagant Amen. grace and saved us and predestined us has great purpose for us has wonderfully made us um, in the womb and has great plans that will work out for our good having that positive mindset mm. when it's guided by the Bible and in God's word a- Amen. Is, is what that's when what you need found with the foundation of it is truth God's yes. truth and I can tell story after story about the power of a positive thinking mm. in my own life and how a ridiculous wreck that was. Uh, I've told you the story about me helping the lady with her car in the parking lot that time. And oh, I'm sure I've heard it. That I was in that mindset, okay, I'm just going to be positive, it's going to be positive. Uh, so just to share with the, the crowd, this is one of the sh- my Hall of Shame moments just lost a sale. I was working for a company and was in a sales position and just lost a sale and was, I'm just going to be positive. I'm going to keep a positive mental attitude, you know, think power, positive thinking. And I walk out to my car and there's a lady beside her car. And this car is one of the biggest sedans ever made. I mean, it's probably a 1978 Plymouth Fury. You could literally play table tennis on the hood of this car. It was huge. And she had obviously just had cataract surgery. She had the cataract uh, sunglasses yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. And she kind of waved me down and said, sir, could you help me back my car out of the place? I just can't see that well. I need a little help getting the car out of the, this, this spot. You know, I, I, oh, yeah, this is my opportunity to redeem myself. I'm going to help somebody today. Right. So I jumped in the front seat. Have I, told, have I never told I, you this no, story? No, it's not coming to me. So I... Sure, I'm happy to help. Just trying to keep a positive attitude. Throw my my briefcase in the seat in front of her, and it's one of those vinyl seats. I mean, it's just a, one big bench vinyl seat. And I pulled it, just kind of pulled the door to and put put it in gear, and a car, car kind of lunged backwards. So I just slammed on the brake, 
what I thought was a brake, a pedal, and it went. I, what I did is step on the the pedal, gas pedal. The gas pedal. So I start hurling backwards, and and I start sliding forward in the seat, so I can't get my foot off of the oh gas no. pedal, and it just <laughs> keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Smoke is starting to billow up around the car, and I'm still sitting in one spot, and I, I can just picture myself looking up at the lady like. What 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 am, what's happening to me? And she, her, the look on her face was priceless. But I hurtling <laughs> backwards and finally realized dude. that I had my foot on the gas pedal instead right. of. Right. And that must have been the biggest engine that that Detroit ever made in that thing because it just <laughs> hurtled backward 10, 15 yards in about two <laughs> seconds. Finally realized, realized what was happening and slammed on the brake and it skidded to a, you know screeched to a stop and I was like. Oh, I'm just shaking, like, what just happened? <laughs> I still didn't know what happened. I was like six in inches shock. from a dumpster behind the, oh, in the, no. at the other end of the parking lot. And, and I, I get, get out of the car, and I'm just shaking like this. And she, she said, I didn't even remember if she said anything. She said, thank, thank you. She, she had a very startled look on her face and right. got in, and I couldn't even say anything. I was like, I'm sorry, man, I, I think I had my foot on the wrong pedal. So, power <laughs> like positive. This is not the first time I've driven. Whenever I get that, I'm going to have a positive mindset. I think that's when God has the most fun. So right. He goes, hey, He's come like watch <laughs> this. Come watch this. So, I po love that. Po thinking positively with on the foundation of truth, I think, is real important. Just trying to pull yourself together and have a positive mental attitude in my life has not gone well. Right, right. But I think these verses, like you said, has given us the tools with which to do that Amen. more easily, Amen. at least. Uh, Ryan, any last thoughts on this? I think that was good. Okay, I did want to I did want to say one more thing. I think I have like two minutes. Um, I was listening to John MacArthur. This was a few weeks ago now, actually, when we first started this, I was listening to this one. And he said something very interesting that I had never um, heard before. And it's from verse nine, when he talks about making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Um, he said that the mystery of his will was actually the time that we are living, living right now. So the mystery was that, you know, obviously Israel thought that when the Messiah was coming, they were, he was going to have a physical earthly kingdom at that moment. But instead, the mystery of his will was that he was going to die and go back to heaven, but then have a spiritual kingdom through the hearts of his believers. And I had, I don't think I'd ever heard it put like that, that that was the mystery, that it was going to be that kind of a kingdom. And I'm sure and it that was we're a, living in that mystery. a shock or a, a surprise to the Jews that the Gentiles were included in this. this yes. Mystery. Yeah. That was a, that was a huge part of it as well. Um, so that was, that was an interesting thought from that. Okay, so next week we'll cover, um, <coughs> I don't actually know what we'll cover. We're, we're just figuring it out <laughs> as we go along. The, the rest of the chapter, or is it? I don't know how much, well, I don't know. We're, we're working through Ephesians, so it'll be in We're Ephesians working through first. Ephesians. We may get to the end of the chapter next week. We'll see. It just depends on how much we want to talk about it. So the next thing is we're going to do a game called Two Truths and a Lie. So um, we're going to go through, give Two Truths and a Lie, and then we have to guess which one's the lie? Oh, I like that, Brad. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go first. So here, here's my three statements. I have traveled outside the country twice. This is my first time producing a radio show, and I have only broken one bone in my life. 
So we got to pick which one's the lie. So you have to pick which one's the lie. So if two are true, one is a lie. I'm so thinking the broken bone is the lie. I'm going to go with that one. Only mm. one broken bone? Yeah. I, I think this is not the first time you've pr produced a radio. I think that's a lie. Hmm. Okay, so you are both... I don't know. Wait, did I have a lie? <laughs> no, you were right. Uncle Gavin was right. <laughs> this is not the first time That's I have first produced a radio, radio show. I, I have only I broken have my pinky finger. There. Yes, I have only broken my pinky finger, and that was not the time when I slammed the tables onto them. I only jammed my three fingers when I slammed the table. This is when I was at Awana, and I caught a ball out there playing game. It was a softball, but it broke, and that was the only one I, that I had that I have broken so, so far. This is not wood, but hopefully it works the same. But yeah, so this is not the first time I've produced a radio show. Um, at CBC, I did two, I believe. Oh, sure. They had a, yeah, they had a radio um, station there, and that was actually my part-time job at the colleges. I did a radio show. So it was fun. All right. We learned a little bit about Molly. Looky there. Looky there. I was, I'm much better now than I was then. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, okay. Ryan, you want to go next? I had a lot of trouble with this, actually. When I was getting ready for tonight, it took me longer to do the two truths and a lie than to study for the whole rest <laughs> of the thing. Because if I'm going to reveal stuff about myself, I don't want it to be something. Like, I don't want oh. to do something that no one would guess, but it's so embarrassing that I right. would have to reveal it in the questions. Right. That's, right. What, that's what I've got. Three, <laughs> three embarrassing things. Oh, boy. <laughs> Should have just gone for Should've it. Should have just gone for it. Yeah. So I made a kind of a joke one, but uh, it's uh, the three are I've eaten a chicken heart. I've broken multiple bones, and Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Oh, okay. No, let's see. I'm not sure. That makes this pretty was a tough one. Are you sure? Maybe it's a chicken heart. It's honestly. Yikes. Where did you eat a chicken heart? Uh, Toscano's, I think is the name of the place. Yeah. Oh, oh so right, like yeah. at a legit restaurant. Yeah. It wasn't it was just like butchering day? No, <laughs> no. It was cooked. What, it tastes like chicken? It honestly, it was really good. You could tell it was a heart, <laughs> but the taste itself was really good. There's so much better things to eat on the chicken. I yeah. think I'm gonna pass on the heart. I'll eat anything once. Well, yeah, they make really I, good. I don't want to say anything, but most things I'll eat. <laughs> That's fair. There you go. Okay. So, well, I so think we know your lie. You know my. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, we got your lie. All right. So when I was young, I had an imaginary friend named Charlie. And when we went on vacation in the Smoky Mountains, it disturbed my parents so much that I was talking to them. They bought me a doll and called him Charlie. Just me talking to, him, to the air was very disturbing <laughs> to them. That was elaborate. Just for wow. <laughs> Too elaborate. multiple options. I was almost ejected from a vehicle at 35 miles per hour. But if, if it hadn't been for my father's quick thinking and grabbing me by the shirt collar, pulling me back in, you might not know me. I was once paraded around my neighborhood in long john underwear. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is I believe all of these. <laughs> <clears throat> what was the first one? I don't even remember. The I'm doll. The Charlie the doll. Charlie. That's oddly specific, but I'm going to go with that's the lie. I do kind of want to go with that one too, but I want it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> so which one? Which one's the lie? Is it Charlie? It's Charlie. Yeah. Oh, it was God. my sister that had the imaginary friend that my parents got so concerned about her they bought a doll that she could she, she had which a very is, elaborate conversation which is worse right. to have an imaginary friend or to talk to a doll or and a think doll. it's a doll <laughs> yeah well and then i was also like it made I, them feel better i can't <laughs> i can't see your dad buying you a doll this is true it was kind of a stuffed toy yeah, yeah. good point yeah 
But he did save my neck. Uh, we were going down a road, and I pulled the, it was a 1962 Chevy short bed pickup truck, and there it was like a tank, so yeah. pulling the door shut, if it, the door even hit the frame, it clicked and made, it made a noise. And, we went around the curve, it flew open, and it was one of those bench spinal seats, and yeah, I was going out the you door. Have, you struggle with shot those. out the side. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a good thing they don't really make those anymore. Yes. Or at least you buy the cloth seats cause. and not the leather seats. All right, we're going to move on, and we've all talked about our mystery topic, except for Ryan. So it's your turn, Ryan. Cool. Okay, so I've discovered lately a burden that I didn't really know that I had for people my age, like 18 through 30, basically. And we've all known like prodigals that have grown up in church their whole life and then turn away for one reason or the other, come back right away, maybe never, you never really know. But uh, the ones I've really, that have been on my heart here lately are the ones that who've never had a good moral example to follow, never really, never been in church, never had like their parents have been split up since an early age, whatever the case may be, and don't really know where to turn or what the truth is. Like I've got, uh, I know, I've got one friend who he's only 19 and he's wanting to build a house with his girlfriend. I've got one that uh, had a baby with a girl who he wasn't married to and now they hate each other and there's all kinds of turmoil because of that and friends getting involved, <coughs> excuse me, with it and just causing all kinds of trouble. and. You know, bad money decisions, bad relationship decisions, whatever the case may be. So the topic I was thinking is we could come up with, I said one or two, but however many you can think of, resources as well as pieces of advice for kids as far as, well, I say kids, but 18 to 30 roughly, as far as where to turn or where to start. Um, so a resource and a piece of advice or multiple if you have them. Hmm. Well, this is all you, Uncle Gavin, because I'm in that boy. age group, too. That, that's a big topic, and I think defining the problem is half of the solution. Right. Uh, seeing what's going on, and, and the problem is I, sometimes I don't think those guys that you're talking about or describing even know that they're... That they have a problem. In, 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 you know, in distress, or and some other uh, friends here in the church have related to me... Um, situations where their friends are in and just basically in a mess with no map or compass to get out of it and they're struggling with thoughts of suicide with thoughts of hurting other people um, so, so when you know what at what point can you enter in with a little bit of truth and a little bit of love and mm -hmm. say this is the um, this is what I see or this is what my experience has been. And this is not normal. That's a big thing it's to me too, normal. I think, because a lot of times they'll be in this complete mess that of their own making, but they don't even, like you said, they don't even realize it because that's what they grew up with. Mm -hmm. So they think that's just how it is. Right, yeah. and they see everyone else, like most people I think are in those situations. So like, well, we're, we're struggling just like everyone else is. So it's, no, it's nothing special and it's just life, right? The phrase, that's life. Yeah, yeah. and uh, my, uh, this uh, this is a concern I've had for a long time, is that we come to a place in our thought process where pain is the normal, right? Where pain and, and damage is the normal. Um, anything is justified at that point. If if this is my life and it's you know random, I, it, there's no just sense a, to this. Just there's a response no. to stimuli. Stimuli. That's, right. That's right. Yeah. Then I have the the right to take any medication or do anything to relieve it. That that's just natural. And most to of avoid it is it. emotionally 
driven, not logically driven. They don't take, you know, you don't take a chance to stop and be like, okay, let's think about this in a objective manner and not just throw my emotions at it. And uh, it's my, my conviction My conviction with uh, Ryan, your, with you guys' generation, that it's not gonna be a Sunday school class, it's not gonna be a, a YouTube channel, mm -mm. it's gonna be a personal relationship with each one of these guys. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna take a personal relationship and if they'll let you have an honest conversation with them yeah. and, and say, this is what this is what I see, and you can't, um, well, the, the description that Ravi Zacharias gave of this generation is they, they listen with their eyes and they think with their feelings. So, so they listen with their eyes because they don't have any, they're, they're not gonna continue to listen to people lie to them and then mm -hmm. try to believe that what they see is real. So what, what, you, what I see you do is what I'll believe. Right. What you tell me means nothing because I've right. been lied to so many times, I'm not gonna do that. And thinking with their feelings because they have no, they have not been taught how to reason through things. So they, they know how to feel through things. Yeah. And there is an, an emotional intelligence that's very real. And, and a lot of your generation are, are geniuses when it comes to that, the thinking through things or feeling through things. And they draw a lot of people to them sometimes because they have that, that attraction. I know a young lady that's very popular because she has that gift of feeling for somebody and, and uh, exhibiting um, love towards that person, and, but she's, she doesn't have a truth that she follows or, or a moral law that she, she adheres to. Hmm. So it's gonna take personal relationships. I, I think there's no easy way with, with this generation. Uh, that's just been my conclusion. And it's gonna take Christians getting into the mess of right. the, the, these people's right. lives. And Yeah, I think you're asking for like resources and advice. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. mainly for us. Mm -hmm. Like I think we're going to have to gather up those for ourselves so that then like we could go and have those personal relationships. There are obviously some resources I think that are written. I mean like I'm a little hesitant to suggest Jordan Peterson just because I haven't actually read his books. But from what I understand, he doesn't necessarily come at them from a Christian perspective. So I think anytime you can find something that was written by a Christian but is not overtly Christian in its thinking, or at least in its appearance is probably a better way to put it, that they'll be more willing to, to, to look at those. But yeah. I mean, how many, like of the examples that you gave, how many of them would actually read not very many, I'll and tell I you hate that. to say it That's like that. That's why the personal relationships got to yeah. happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just got to happen. Yeah, and you I got have these conversations. I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. I guess in my mind, I was thinking if someone is at the point that they realize that their life is broken, falling and apart, and are willing to consider yeah. things, yeah. yeah. I, I, first place I'd point them is uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Mm -hmm. uh, Norman Geisler and uh, Frank Turek. Uh, that's for, it's written very plainly. Um, it's th there's no deep philosophical stuff in there, it does present um, the Christian worldview in a way that's understandable to you know, a person on the street. That was uh, one that I had too, was Frank Turek and his uh, yeah. podcast, Cross-Examined. Yes. You turned me onto it. He's and taken on that. That is a ministry to, to college-age mm -hmm. kids. Um, Jamie texted in that Celebrate Recovery 
is a great resource in identifying generational sin, setting boundaries and finding healthy ways to deal with hurt. And I think that is a great resource um, because a lot of people I think are actually willing to go to like AAs and 12 step help studies. This one just happens to be founded solely in the Bible. Scripture. And so like if you can convince them to do that, then I think that would, mm. that is a great resource. Um, she said also, Pastor Ben shared with me a while back that helping these people starts with friendship. Mm-hmm. And that this is, um, uh, she said detrimental, but I don't think that's what she meant. Uh, but this is essential, is what I'm going to yes. say. Yes. <laughs> She's saying yes. Friendship is essential. Y- yes, a relationship. I, I just don't think it, well, this is going to be the hardest generation to win. Because yes. Well, and that's what, that's what Jesus did, is he made relationships. Amen. He went to them and spent time with them in their place, in their messes, brought them out of their messes. And, like, if they didn't want it, then he left them. You know, and it it wasn't because he, like, he didn't leave them because he didn't hate them or because he hated them or didn't want to help them. But if they didn't want help, like you said, if they're not ready to be helped, then there's really nothing you can do. They have to be ready. And he also set the model. He he had three inner three men in his inner circle. Mm-hmm. So and then twelve men in his his near circle, um, and that that was the the majority of his impact was on those twelve people. Right. So so w- if we're trying to win a generation, you got to start with a few people. Right. And I think that um, I had a conversation with some coworkers, and we delved into a whole bunch of things outside of this, but talked about how. The thing, like, we have to focus on what we can actually change. And what we can actually change is with is what is within our f- sphere of influences, which is, you know, those inner circle people and then those 12 people and then our community. But we can't expect, like, you know, to say that, oh, we're out to change a generation. Well, that puts a lot of pressure. I don't know about you, but it puts a lot of pressure on me and it stresses me out. And then I'm like, how in the world am I going to be able Like, I can't do that. I don't have the influence to do that. I don't have the outreach. Know, I, you know, my Facebook isn't that big. I don't have that many <laughs> followers on Instagram. I can't change a generation. But if I can change or help God move and change in other people's lives that are in my influence, then I have done my part. Like, mm-hmm. I, I am not the person that this is relying upon. It's m- all of us who have this burden. Amen. It, the, the Christians that are alive today, having the, the heart to win others to Christ and to live a life that glorifies him mm-hmm. and that he can speak through. You mm-hmm. have to have a, live a life that Christ can speak through to other people. Right, and then when we're living that life, like you said, the generation that listens through their eyes, they'll be able to see that truth through our life and then hopefully open up with their emotions to us so that we can kind of give them the moral code so they can have that as well as the emotional intelligence. All right, well, I loved that mystery topic, Ryan. Thank you. So we're going to move on to the Mount Rushmore of beef dinners. Now, when Dad texted me, I was like, this is such a left turn. We did the (laughs) Mount Rushmore's of Bible influencers and Bible stories and Bible characters, and now we're talking about beef dinners. I don't really know how he made that, if he was just hungry or what. But So, yeah, that's that's what we're starting off (laughs) with. So I'll go ahead and give mine the four... Four beef dinners that are my favorite is the, number one. Obviously, George Washington's is the porterhouse steak. You can't get Good any call. better than that. Good call. Um, and then cube steak, specifically made by my grandmother. And then a patty melt. That's yeah. probably my favorite hamburger. 
Like, I don't really like just hamburgers, it's but beef. if you make it a patty melt, yeah. I'm there for it. And then beef stroganoff is also... Oh, man, we're, we're very close to same calls, good. yeah. Well, look at Good there. taste. Okay, yeah, so that's my Mount Rushmore beef dinners. I didn't even... I just kind of brushed off the topic. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. You're like, this, you don't this like can't beef? be it. <laughs> are you serious? But no, I don't even know what all the different cuts of steak are. That's how not picky I am. Like, just give me meat, give me protein, and I'll eat it. I'll cut the fat off, eat the meat, I'm yeah. happy. Well, I definitely prefer chicken. So, yeah. you know, it was harder uh, to choose meat. beef dinners because yeah. chicken is yeah. better. I would, I would, if I had to give up, if I could only live on one thing, it would be red meat. It yeah. would be beef. Mm-mm. So an emotional experience with a medium done ribeye steak smothered in butter and garlic. Okay, yes. An emotional experience with that. And top that that's George Washington. Beef stroganoff was number two on mine. Oh, okay. And uh, cowboy steak, ever seen a cowboy steak? It's the ribeye with the with the rib on it. So it's just a little variation one. The subgroup would be number one. Is that uh, it's amazing. Okay. Amazing. I the feel ribs like still on it. it. It's, oh, uh, the ribs. The okay, rib is still no, on the ribeye. Now that's interesting. Mm. I would try that. Yep. And uh, steak and shake smash burger. Triple triple steak and shake burger. Yeah. I do prefer the steak and shake burgers over most other burgers. I just prefer how thin they are. <laughs> Less yep. burger, more bread. Yeah. So really, you didn't have any, Ryan? I, I just want to make sure really we're not going to skip nothing. over you. Okay. I did think no, about perfect. it for a minute, but yeah, I, really yeah. I had nothing. Nobody okay. time on that. You know what? That's, that's totally okay because right on time. We saved time. Moving on to our <laughs> next and last segment, this precarious moment. And we were supposed to go over sections 7, 8, and 9. And these sections were kind of actually topic, kind of – Yes. But, um, Ryan, when you mentioned how – the people of your generation or of our generation technically don't have the moral compass and it's because they come from broken homes. It it reminded me of our sections because it talked a lot of how fatherlessness and the, the um, I can't remember the word, but the family unit de- being destroyed the in our culture, mm-hmm. yeah, has caused a lot, if not all, of these issues that we've we've been talking about in this book, so or the ones that they've they've they were breaching in these sections. So in chapter, what's the title of chapter seven? I was trying oh, to sorry. I was trying to turn to it. No, it's fine. Let's tell the whole story. So I think this was still going back to telling the good things that have happened. Yeah, things oh, about our, oh our no. origin that that were actually positive. Yes, but some of the amazing things that black people did in, the, in our country early in the. Right, History. right, because they were talking about how typically when you're hearing the story of slavery, you hear the South Side where, you know, you had whites who enslaved black people, and then black people since then have lived in segregation. Um, oppression. Depression, right, oppression, yes. And so, um, but, but then he had a, like, a, like a, I don't know, a, a huge list, list yes, of, of people who have actually thrived. Yeah, in, yes. in like People in the 1731s <coughs> and in the 1800s, like go ahead and read a couple. Okay, there's they're pretty major, some pretty amazing Let's examples in there. I'll just start from the beginning. So Wentworth Cheswell, um, 1746 through 1817, he was the first black elected to office in New Hampshire. Um, Did and you was know that? Did anybody know that? No. 
No, and, and that's what I was thinking when I was reading this. I was like, what's so funny is we still hear like, oh, they're the first black and they're the first. I was like, so wait, can they actually be? Like, are they actually? <laughs> and it could be in a particular office. It's possible, yes. Right, right, in like a specific office. And that's why like they have to specify this. Yeah, and we've seen specific <laughs> examples of it not being true, too. Like uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, when she got elected to the Supreme Court, everyone was like, oh, she's the first black person on the Supreme Court. But Clarence Thomas is sitting right Been there. there right, they're <laughs> like, um, try that again. Um, and he was, re this is cool, he was reelected for the next 49 years holding several different political offices. Never heard that before. Mm -mm. Um, Benjamin Binnaker in 1731 through 1806. He was appointed by President Thomas Jefferson as a surveyor to lay out Washington, D.C., um, and a mathematician who produced the first American scientific almanac by a black. Um, John Rock was the first black admitted to the U.S. Supreme Court bar, being not only a lawyer, but also a teacher, doctor, and dentist. Um, oh, this was interesting too. Harry, okay, I hope I say this right. Harry Hoosier was a founding era preacher from whom Indiana takes its nickname. And it has in parentheses, how many in Indiana know that the name Hoosiers come from, yeah. comes from a black evangelist. I'm going to bet 98 Less of than them 1%. don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bet that most of them don't know because we don't yeah. get the whole story. We, like they said, we only get like the Southern version of it. Um, and it's all the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, and not to say that there wasn't oppression, there wasn't discrimination, no. there wasn't bad things that happened, but it wasn't all bad. Right. I'm trying to see if there's anything like one in, of the in statements the United that States has to. proved to be a country of opportunity for people of color, um, and a pe so a place of opportunity for them to come and to thrive, and that right. there are obviously plenty of examples of that happening. Right, uh, it just says the story of oppression is frequently told <coughs> as it should be. So we're not trying to diminish that, That's right. but we should also tell the stories of victory, achievement, and cooperation. And I think when we do that, I think the reason why they try to hide these stories of success is because it's that emotional feeling. So if, if we can find any good in what has happened in American history, then maybe we can find some pride for America. But if all we can find is the negative, then of course, of course we hate America because we've done nothing but bad and supporting nothing but harm. Yeah. It's yeah. Instead, of, instead of revealing the truth, we're trying to support a narrative. Exactly, right. And so that was that, was that section of telling the whole story of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, so chapter seven of this book is very enlightening. Yes. Uh, and yes. there's several other, all the chapters are lightning, I shouldn't say, but Yes, I feel like it's examples. like a whole new world every time I read a new chapter. Um, and they're very short, so it's nice. Uh, chapter eight was about the number one predicator. Pre pre um, predi Predictor. Thank you. Um, I couldn't read it right when I was reading it to myself either. I was like, the P word <laughs> of major cultural problems. And I think <coughs> this, again, um, connects with what Ryan talked about and how they talked about the family is that. Uh, that's the number one thing that determines statistically, especially um, if you're twice, like if you come from a home without a father, you are twice as likely to end up in jail. And this is, this is not just talking about races. This is humanity in general. If you have a culture that has destroyed the family unit, the nuclear family unit, you, the children are twice as likely to end up in jail, twice as likely to pull a knife or a gun on someone, twice as likely to be involved in gangs, and seven times more likely to be a delinquent. 
and 90% of the increase in violent crime between 1973 and 1995 was committed by those raised in single-parent homes. And excessively high murder rates continue to be associated with those born out of wedlock. So this is why it is, like, I mean, and they have so many other statistics in here, but it was just, so it just continued to poverty reiterate. Poverty is linked directly to that. Yes. The percentages that, uh, of Teen blacks that rates. live in uh, poverty of the, that are headed by a single mother mm -hmm. is over 37%. If the black couple is married, it goes to 8% live in poverty. Yes. Shocking numbers. Oh, where was that? I, I remember reading that and I was like, oh my gosh, that's just crazy. So fam families that, that stay together also recover from financial setbacks much quicker. Yes. Um, so uh, one of the statistics it talked about is about that is the annual average income of a two-parent family mm. is 81,455, but that of a single mother family is only 25,493, and so that's that makes a huge difference. So the nuclear family- Almost a quarter of what right, the nu nuclear family does. Is going to survive economic crisis so much easier <coughs> than a single mother family. It still might not be easy, but it's easier. I, I, amen. And I don't think it was ever, God, God never said it's going to be easy, but he gave us the formula for navigating it. Uh, and the, the nuclear family is the classroom, the laboratory, the um, production room, the, like, the bloom room, if you will, uh, for abundant, prosperous living. And he gave us the family as the, the example for how that goes. So you can imagine the advantage that the enemy gets when he can destroy a family. Right. The, the pain and the wreckage that goes in every different direction when a family is torn apart by divorce or um, adultery, whatever the, the cause may be. And instead of loving, learning how to love each other, um, of course, the, the core principle, God's core principle is to love uh, to love God and to love others, the home is where you learn that. And if you can blow that classroom up for learning that core principle, you have a person that has no idea what the truth is mm -hmm. other than to avoid pain. That's the primary goal in life is to, to avoid pain and to have as much pleasure as you can possibly get into your life. There's, um, it would be morally wrong in someone's thinking to keep them from enjoying drugs or um, sex or stealing or whatever they do affirming to their gender <laughs> whatever to get um yeah any kind of affirmation or any kind of acceptance yeah. right belonging yeah. like we talked like they're mm -hmm. searching for belonging and when you don't have a family i think that's that's definitely the first place that you learn that like okay in a family we're connected by blood so we belong but then if you don't have that I mean, you don't have the first building block of, of, a, of a happy life. Of a, of a life that's not centered completely on you. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, the, everything that happens to me is, the, is reality, is the, is the world, is it? Um, your center of reference is your own experience, and that, that's a very dangerous place. Mm. Sorry, I'm getting texts, and they're distracting me. You're getting updates on Dawn. Okay, uh, this is from all good, so. an audience member, Kenny Frossard, said, Uncle Tom is a great documentary, documentary <laughs> to watch on Amazon Prime. It shows that there have been so many successful African Americans that are not taught in school history. Amen. Yeah, um, in here, I was just reading that. Again, I'm just going to read a tiny excerpt. I hope this is okay and not illegal. But the serious problems plaguing the black community 
um, and that appear in varying degrees in other communities, are not the result of being black. Um, this happens to every community, culture, and ethnicity that rejects God's directive for marriage and sexuality. One's race is inherent and involuntary and cannot be changed, but one's culture and behavior are voluntary and definitely can be changed. <coughs> Um, and I think culture is a buzzword these days, too. Um, you know, like it's our culture to have single moms as, you know, that, that's, that's our family unit. That's in our culture is to have single moms and no fathers, to be a part of gangs, to belong, to drug, do drug dealings. And it also talked about, um, oh, was it in this one or in a, a different one, but how it was, in this, it was in this chapter, but how most of the violence committed against black people are committed by other black people. And and like that's part of their culture now. And and that's something that it can change. That can change. You can change culture, but not your race. Yeah. And, and I yeah. My, my life has been blessed by comparison to most. And I, I'm so grateful for that. And I mine's not perfect for, uh, by any stretch. And I came from a broken home, so I experienced that. But but the if there was a saving grace in my life, it was following God and, and accepting his word for what, it, for what it was, for truth. Right. And if I could, I've said it to my kids, if I could point you to anything, if I were to leave this life suddenly, I, I want you to know you could go to the Bible and live your life and live well mm -hmm. without me teaching you anything else. Uh, if you just go to God's word and, and read it daily and, and trust it and act on it, act on what you know. Right, right, and um, the last one that, oh wait, did I, were we supposed to read 10? I think I went Seven, ahead. Eight, nine. Uh, one chapter ahead. 10 is a really good one to look forward to, because <laughs> <laughs> I just kept reading. Preview. Yes, so it, it kind of goes into some of the solutions of this, and it actually kind of, again, harkens back, I, when you brought up your mystery topic, I was like, we could just flow mm. right in, but we had to talk about beef dinners instead for a break. <laughs> um, Rightly but, so, but rightly it, so. Just kind of like a preview, it talks about how it's your personal relationship with others that can bring them out of this culture that is extremely detrimental and dangerous, yeah. and it brings them into God's culture. Like, mm -hmm. Christianity is a culture that God has cultivated and is using to save everyone else from their detrimental yeah. cultures that we have created as humans. Amen. Broken not, humans. Yeah, not to be not to be confused with style. Style. Styles can be different. Styles right. can be different. Cult right. Cultures. Right. Because how we live with each other. Right. Like our holidays. That's kind yeah. of like a style. Yeah. And and like the food we eat. That's going to be food. different. That's food, okay. Music. Clothes. Clothes. Generally. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. as long as you cover your hide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, awesome. Well, we're going to end there. Um, make sure you keep your eye on Facebook. I'm posting at least twice a week now. Um, again, please like, share, and comment so that we can get more people listening to this. Um, and We're going to work on getting better we're every yeah, week. Every week. We're just working on getting better. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for joining us. We will see you next week. Thanks, everybody.